0: I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really sure I understand what this week's guest does for a living, but I am fascinated by it. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. She calls herself a macro-to-micro analyst, educator, and trader of stocks, options, futures, crypto, commodities, currencies, and bonds. And she does this in support of her clients, who often come to her for her expertise in market timing calling her the mother of market timing, which is fine with her because she's also the mother of three. She is so good at what she does that media outlets like Bloomberg, CNBC, Yahoo Finance, market Watch, and SiriusXM have all called upon her as a contributor. Her name is Samantha LaDuke. I get to call her Sam. She is the founder of LaDukeTrading.com and this is her story. Sam, welcome to the show.
1: Sincere thanks.
0: I admitted it. I am not alone, though I know I'm not. Tell us in layman's terms what you do for a living.
1: I share my market timing calls. So I'm an independent stock market analyst, and I basically predict price movement across all those assets, and I share that analysis as well as the trade setups with both retail and institutional clients alike. So they come to me for my market timing, for a little bit of that non-consensus feel of the market that is very much focused on timing, volatility, and big trends. So the retail and institutional buckets of clients that I serve, if you will, are very much focused on their own individual time frame. So they come to me and they give them a chase, a swing, a trend time frame for their particular trade setup. And they're able to then safely create that option tactic or stock or however they want to manifest their trade and their time frame. And then I help them safely implement those directional calls.
0: As a woman, you are absolutely a minority in this male-dominated field. Has it been difficult for you to find your footing? Were you ever doubted when you first got started? Oh,
1: even by the ex-husband, hence the ex. (laughs) But the interesting thing is that I really did not feel restriction was my jam. So I wanted to be able to investigate anything that I was curious about. I wanted to understand market structure. I wanted to understand more of the macroeconomic policies that made the market move. I really had a, a good feel for timing and predicting market moves. I don't care if there are any doubting Thomases. Mm-hmm. It was very much focused on I love this. This is my passion. My purpose You know, of being a mother was absolutely the greatest joy. Then from a career standpoint, finding a business that I was passionate about as well and obsessed with protecting clients and helping them make more money, it's been a natural fit. So even if it is very much a man cave, and there are few women, especially when I started out, I could see very few that looked like what I wanted to be. So now I am representing a voice of women. I am feeling very empowered to bring women up. Half of my trading desk, I have 10, are women. And I'm I'm very excited about the future of women in finance and trading. It has evolved very, very nicely, especially in the last few years with women coming into opening their own brokerage accounts, managing their own wealth, and being a face in national media and in also slowly but surely managing <laughs> money.
0: I once interviewed Marilyn Carlson Nelson, the former CEO of a gigantic global company called carlson Wagonlit Travel. And she got her start as a trader on Wall Street in the 1950s. She told me the story about how she had to sign her trades, M. Nelson, because even though her clients would accept her good knowledge and judgment, if they knew she was a female, they wouldn't have hired her in the first place. That was in the 1950s, how far we have come.
1: Mm. Not so far, in that there are very few women actually managing money. But there is no question that there are more women now taking ownership of their wealth and manifesting for themselves. And that's a bit of the market that I serve, not just women who are wanting to kind of do-it-yourself hedge fund, but active traders, active investors that obviously want to understand how to generate more wealth and not throw it over the wall (laughs) to money management, which is still primarily – Men dominated.
0: How did you get interested in doing this? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she looks at me like, Oh, this is going to be a long story.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it is a personal story. So that's a challenge because in 2008, after a year and a half of not working but focused on my family because my son had had a medical emergency in spring of 2007. When he was stabilized and was able to go to school, I had sold my business of 10 years. So I actually really was kind of figuring out what do I want to do as it relates to being very, very present for my children of three. At the same time, flexing this muscle of my brain that was fascinated with business and was getting interested in the market. So I just jumped in full time (laughs) to something I really needed to learn. And I am very much self-taught. So that's why I say restrictions, not my jam. I'm very curious. I'm very, very determined. And this has helped me learn the market in a language that I understand. And now I am very much in sync with it. That's the only big difference is I've just put in the time to focus on understanding the market.
0: If this sounds interesting to you, the name of the company is Leducetrading.com, L-A-D-U-C, trading.com. Explain how leducetrading.com works, because you are a member-based website with three offerings for clients, beginner, intermediate, and advanced.
1: Correct. So I am the chief market strategist, so there's no question that I am the one who is ultimately responsible for making these big market timing calls, and I'm not afraid to. (laughs) I have new traders go into a community. It's literally newer traders who are more momentum driven, youngish, and they're very much focused on mentoring them to identify how to chase but safely, because they're really, think gamification and all of the the active trading scene that has exploded during COVID lockdown. And then there are the more sophisticated retail and then kind of boutique institutional players that come to me, even in my live trading room, or they come to me for all of my analysis and setups and market timing moves, who are very much managing wealth and wanting to protect not only fund money, in other words, the money that they're managing, but also their own net worth. And then there are the very sophisticated or institutional players who are portfolio balancing and they work with my number one client who became my uh, macro hedge advisor. Ah. So literally half of the team that I have has actually been elevated into paid client dedicated roles, but they were clients first
0: you talked a little bit about the fact that some of the people who are on your trading desk now were clients. And so I guess my next question to follow would be how important are relationships in your business?
1: Relationships are important, but trust is more important. In other words, the clients may not interact with me. They have the option to. I make myself available two hours every single day for a live (laughs) Q&A. Wow. Um, Yes. So they have access to us. And there's also a service in my business where we provide custom trade engagement. So for clients that may not be so well versed at putting on option tactics, we have support staff that will help them learn how and literally navigate a particular trade and defend against it. So in this particular case, there's a high degree of trust that they have access, that they have Everything that I say is accountable. It's you know posted. It's live. So there's a big trust factor. But the relationships are actually more like collaboration. So I don't see it as we're doing any one-on-one with thousands of clients. That's not possible. But it's access to me to ask questions, access to each individual contributor, and then, of course, framing the deliverables so there isn't a lot of misunderstanding. Mm. And also so that they can feel supported. I think that's more of the trust that they get and the accountability that they get from the Duke trading. I'm very proud of the team as well. And also the, the forecasting track record. It's been very good.
0: When I was introducing you, I shared that because of your reputation in market timing, you are known as the mother of market timing. Tell our listeners what that means, why it's so important to be able to time something with the market.
1: The mother of market timing is this combination of the care that I really give clients and the fact that I'm very good at my job. I have one job, and that is to time the markets. So that's where my analysis very much focuses. So this kind of came together because my children (laughs) – grew up and moved away. And I have now my clients that I deliver this obsession to in the same way that I had this kind of obsession with being a mother. So, of course, they're not completely (laughs) one-to-one, but the passion is there. The passion is there. My purpose was being a mother. My purpose is being a market timer and and supporting clients.
0: That's the secret sauce. That's
1: the secret sauce.
0: You mentioned that you had been in business for 10 years prior to starting Leduc Trading. What were you doing?
1: Nothing even related. I ran a global content management company for 10 years, and we would add languages to content and software that was then sold abroad, including all the documentation. So at the time, it was a very uh, disjointed business where machine translation hadn't even come out yet. So Siri was very early. And in fact, the very first machine translation technology still had to be output so that and was sent to us so that we, not me personally, that's not my thing, but (laughs) um, all of my team would actually do the editing of that so it was digestible. Now, over time, it has gotten better and better. So now translation is a feature. But at the time, there was... great deal of opportunity as software, U.S.-based software, was going global. So that was my business, and then I sold it, as I mentioned to you, took a little bit of time off, and then literally jumped into this, and it has just been the best board game ever. (laughs) I can do this forever because it never, ever gets dull. It's a puzzle, and the people, the collaboration that I have with clients and contributors and Oh, my God, gurus is unparalleled to me. I'm just so excited about this every single day.
0: When you are used as a contributor for, say, Bloomberg, you are often the only woman on these panels. How do you make sure that your voice is heard?
1: I had to... Figure that out because <laughs> this was something where I wanted to be a voice of women, but I actually have incredible shyness. So, this is not my comfort zone at all of public speaking, not even a little. I love the anonymity of being behind the scenes and, you know, doing this analysis. I'm a complete introvert. I love, love, love analysis. And I love sharing that analysis with others who share my worldview. So, I don't really have anything else to say, but I knew it was a fear, and I knew it was an obstacle I had to get over so that I could expand the brand, so that I could grow the business, so that I could be a wider voice of women, and I just forced myself. It literally was that simple. I forced myself, and then I got more comfortable. It wasn't as scary the more I did it, and then I became more confident that I had a unique voice, that it was not consensus, and that was really what they wanted I didn't realize that this was actually my superpower, was that I looked at it without any restriction. And I could come up with really good ideas that had not been considered because I didn't have the restriction that many others had.
0: You call yourself a farm girl in your bio, and I cannot wait to hear more about that.
1: I grew up on a farm with a single mother. I don't feel compelled to be anything other than who I am. And I feel simple, farm girl, common sense, treating people others the way you want to be treated, just the same principles my grandparents taught me are at the core of everything I do. They, they just feel comfortable. I don't have to try and be something I'm not.
0: Well, I always love to ask people to tell us a little bit about their childhood. So where do you come from and what was life like in your house on the farm? <laughs>
1: Well, like I said, single mother, so it was really hard. I mean, she was a teacher and a single parent, bright, had a lot of unrestricted time <laughs> to play on the farm. Um had some great salt of the earth grandparents. So those memories of growing up could not be further away from Wall Street. They could not be further away from the intellectual ideas that I now exchange with collaborators. It's fascinating how blue-collar that was, and how rooted I was, but I still feel that way.
0: Where Mm. was the farm, and what did you have on the farm?
1: Upstate New York. um, I was born in Lake Placid, New York, and grew up on a farm in Beekman Town. So 500 cows, bull, peacocks, foxes, snapping turtles, horses, but mostly it was just hard-work dairy farm. And nothing, any, it wasn't ours. We rented. So it wasn't like I had a connection to this family that were, you know, generation upon generation of farmers. But it still gave me that bird's eye view into a a really exciting childhood. I thought it was great growing up. Very dirty, though.
0: Next few questions I ask everybody who sits where you are. And since you've shared that you have three children, can you tell me how did motherhood change you as a person?
1: I'm one of those strange birds who knew she wanted a child when I was 14. In other words, I didn't want a child at 14, but I knew that I, <laughs> I wanted get children right. at 14. So um, my first child was born in 28. But... I knew that I wanted to be a mother. I could not wait. In the same way that I now, you know, have this burning passion to always give my analysis and I dissect the markets, it's fed by the change that occurs inside. Because there's nothing that stays the same when you have children. And there's nothing that stays the same when you're a market analyst. So everything changed. Nothing stayed the same.
0: Did you love it?
1: I loved it. But there was no comparison for the place of joy, but there's also no comparison for the place of lament and sadness and worry. And worry. <laughs> so that that part sucks. <laughs> that's no question. So th- that's a little bit of why I kind of jokingly say, you know, I became a volatility expert. When you raise teenagers, especially alone, there is going to be this knowledge of how to manage volatility. It's funny how I'm doing the same kind of thing, but on stocks.
0: (laughs) I think that's the best way to explain it, isn't it? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received, Sam? And that can be personal or professional.
1: My own. Don't risk more than you're willing to lose. I absolutely love incremental advancement. Challenging oneself outside the comfort zone, but I absolutely think that there are sometimes, you know, swinging for the fences type of bets. That's not my particular MO. So I like this very, very focused risk-reward analysis. And then I like to take the bets, but not huge concentration of bets where I'm going to have massive regret the next day. So I don't really believe in the regret hangover. So basically, this to me is my way of not risking more than I'm willing to lose as a personal and professional mantra.
0: When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it?
1: Just don't give up. And I tell that to every trader, especially new ones, Obviously, you know, the the institutional clients, they have their job, their role to protect wealth and obviously build it. But for newer traders, there is this lack of confidence because they haven't figured out how to interpret the language. They will figure it out, but they have to stick with it to do that. So not to give up.
0: It's so interesting to listen to you because it's so clear that you love what you do. But you've mentioned two things in this interview that I wanted to follow up on. The first one was curiosity. And the second one was fearlessness. And I've come to believe that those two ingredients are a big part of success. What do you think?
1: Fear is a prison. And I think it is absolutely a waste of time now to be in fear of things that are uncomfortable. So little by little, this has been an evolution in me overcoming areas of fear period this is my self journey so all of this pushes me to be a better analyst by being so transparent by being hopefully a better communicator of my ideas by talking about them and writing about them I write every single day so this engagement for me has basically made me more confident and that's made me more happy it's fabulous to take leaps of faith and, you know, try new things. No question. But at the same time, don't risk more than you're willing to lose in business and in life. I
0: want to say thank you so much, Sam LaDuke, for being our guest this week.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Samantha LaDuke. Find out more about her, LaDukeTrading.com. That's L-A-D-U-C Trading.com. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile, so if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please let me know? I really do read your emails, and many of the women who have been suggested to be on this show ended up right where Sam is sitting now, and their stories are fantastic. To nominate someone yourself, just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y dot com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week, and remember... When we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.